Hello. May I welcome you to episode 51 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight into others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began his career as a supplier to the industry some 22 years ago after being told by his brother, a moving company owner, to develop tech for moving. We discuss his challenges, what he would change from his moving past, his high points, what changes he would make to the industry, the advice he would give starting out again, his predictions for the next five years and what he does outside of the workplace. And as always, we end with a funny moving story regarding bio-waste modern art. My guest this episode is Max Cranian, managing partner of VoxMe Software. Enjoy. Good evening, or rather good afternoon, Max. How are you? Welcome to Moving Matters. Thanks, and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Can you tell everybody about yourself and the length of time within the industry? I joined the industry 22 years ago, in 2002. My background actually is in theoretical physics. Then I moved on to high tech for semiconductors and all that. But then after coming to Canada, I went to a startup that dealt with mobile internet. So that's how I got into the mobile apps and mobile devices. And then my brother told me that I'm wasting my time in the high-tech industry and what I should really do is develop tech for moving. So that's how that came about. So I take it your brother is in the moving industry? He joined the industry in 1991. And then he finally sold his company five years ago. So the insight knowledge and the uh, basically the, the, the hands-on experience of using the tech that we have developed and still develop came from him. And the practical knowledge of creating large enough buttons to be pressable by elbows. <laughs> so you say elbows, I say fat fingers. I <laughs> know, uh, fat fingers, anybody can do fat fingers or banana fingers. <laughs> but back in the days where the touch was not heat sensitive, but actually just a touch screen, you could yeah. put it with any part of your body. Yeah, yeah. So if the hands are busy, then you use your elbow. <laughs> so how big a company was your brother's removal company? Ah, that's the story of, our developments here. Uh, he started in a large company. At the time, it was probably the largest back in Israel. And then he set off on his own. So what he's figured is that he needs to have proper tech, uh, most importantly, mobile apps, to be able to run his own show. Right. Then he's grown, then he's built branches overseas. Because at the end, they created a very large platform for access luggage. Yep. But like very special routes, it was Israel to Ukraine, which is still going strong, of course, to Belarus, to Russia, to Moldova. So they built that business. So like households was part of it. Yeah, uh, that's the access baggage, I guess, in the uh, in UK terms. Yeah, that's what they built. So they they got quite big. So can you tell everybody about your company and the services it offers? 
So we are a Canadian-based company. We do have office and staff in Canada. We have office and staff in Israel, Europe, and the Far East. In terms of the services, we have mobile apps for premium service, for digital inventory control and scanning and label printing and all that. Then, obviously, a backend system for our apps, plus a full-stack move management system uh, for removals, then a completely separate system for fine arts logistics, virtual service, of course. <laughs> and then recently, we've launched a very simple portal for removals for uh, three things, which is label printing, uh, delivery bingo, and digital inventory. So that's our latest uh, product. So tell me more about that then, Max. In our 22 years of doing what we're doing, we figured that there are three main components when it comes to inventory control. You want to be able to print labels and do it from anywhere. So therefore, the first functionality that you get on the portal, if you want, is label printing. Literally, you just print from the browser. Then, of course, you need to buy the right printer, which is Zebra, which is the most cost-efficient and durable printer there is. You hook it up to the intranet or to your USB and press a couple of buttons and you can print labels through it. The second one is what we call delivery bingo. Well, in fact, any bingo. So the idea there is quite simple and yet uh, probably somewhat revolutionary. So the statement is this. If you just do a pickup, if you want to ship something, what do you care about? What you care about is really delivering what you've picked up. Yeah. If you pick up 10 boxes, it doesn't matter what's inside the boxes. I mean, it's important for customs. It's important yeah. for various physical and emotional reasons. But it comes down to... Picking up 10 pieces, delivering 10 pieces, making sure that these are the same pieces. So that's what Delivery Bingo app allows you to do. It basically allows you to say, look, uh, you have 10 pieces on the inventory. That's great. So you have an app. It's free. You dispatch a job, a delivery job to any crew. They download the app, they download the job, and they go and do this Delivery Bingo check-off. But they might be doing the check-off in the warehouse when they unload a consolidated shipment, or they might be doing that on delivery at the residence. So if it's down to earth, then they just enter the package numbers manually. Right. If the origin agent was graceful enough to print barcoded labels, then basically the checkoff becomes even simpler because you just scan using the camera. It's all yeah. embedded in the app. So therefore, it allows the delivery crew to quickly do a delivery check-all. And then if there's trouble, they enter descriptions of the damages, uh, external damages, of course, and the photos. If there are unmarked packages, they can enter the details too. At the end, there is a normal summary, which everybody can see on the screen, review, sign off, and get a copy. So that's the bingo. And the third component is being able to launch a digital inventory job, again, to any crew by just sending a text or an email or a PDF file with a QR code. And what happens is that the recipient 
presses the button, downloads our standard digital inventory app. So that's the one that's been around for 22 years. And then immediately, basically automatically download the job and just do the electronic inventory. And the breakthrough there is that there is no need to license or set up a device. It's done automatically and it's free to the actual user. So if you have a subcontractor that you want to do the pickup in the inventory, then they just do it. They don't pay, they don't wait. But the operator of the portal pays us on a pay-as-you-go basis. Right. So the beauty there is that the big bookers can basically do the dispatch themselves, or they can just basically get access to the portal, hand it over to the contractors and say, well, you do everything on your own. All we need at the end is the PDF of the inventory. I mean, it opens up a world of possibilities, but the beauty is the pay-as-you-go nature of this offering and making digital inventory, which is crucial (laughs) to the moving industry, accessible and affordable. So obviously that comes with constraints. So you get what you get, you don't don't get any customizations, you don't get anything. You pay very little to get something off the shelf that allows you to do very detailed, very nice inventory. But then those who want more, those who want like full-blown inventory control and, and all that, and the forms and the customized reports and the the residence inspection, then they go to the next level up. They go to yeah. the MFC-based system, which is, right, again, it's, it's also portal, but it's just a bigger one. It takes more setup, configuration, customization, all that. But it, it's unnecessary. For the majority of the market, it's completely unnecessary as the first step. Once you get a taste for digital inventory, you want more. But again, some people will be quite happy with the simple solution. If you're a small contractor, if all you do is like agent bookings, you need more. Because they ask you to do digital inventory. Well, you just do it. You don't need a full-blown system. You want to pay you $3, do the inventory, and be done. $3? Is that all? That's extremely cheap, Max. Well, there's an annual subscription of 300 which is also not earth-shattering. Oh, that's extremely cheap as well. Yeah. No, we kind of, you know, we're at the stage of our life where it's time to give back. So tech doesn't make sense unless you make it affordable and accessible. This is true. So this bingo app is free to contractors. Yeah. It's free to anybody. It doesn't matter. It's the operator of the portal that may eventually pay us per transaction, but first right. year it's free. But the app is downloaded for free, and as soon as you download it, it's uh, it's good to go. Yeah. So the contractors, like in our world, the way we see it and the way the world operates right now, the contractor will never pay for tech. An Uber driver doesn't pay for using the Uber app. Uber gives them the app. Absolutely. Same deal, right? Like a moving sub shouldn't pay for a moving tech. The booker should pay for whatever inventory system they want the sub to use. 
So these are only used then on literally international jobs? No. No. So you would use it on a normal domestic household removal? Of course. What's so special about international? The level... All right, so here's the thing. Obviously, we started from the international, the cream of the crop, high-end international uh, movers. So like, we're proud to say that one of our first customers was harsh. Right. Then at some point, they might group big and strong and imposing in my group uh, became our customer. So then, of course, the level of inventories is quite high. But then when U.S. domestic movers and interstate movers discovered the system, then they realized that, look, if you just print the labels, that's all you really need. And all of a sudden, if you look at their inventories, most of the inventory items are HHG or MISC. Right. Because they don't care. Right. They only care about the actual item name if something is damaged. Uh, apart from that, all they care about is to make sure that everything is labeled so they can scan everything into a warehouse, then out to the trailer, and then uh, from the trailer on delivery. They realize that for domestic, the level of inventory, unless it's high-end or it's storage inventory, and you know that there's going to be partial deliveries, the actual details only matter if there are damages, pre-existing damages, and you're taking photos to prevent any kind of insurance claim. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Funny enough, our U.S. military moving clients discovered that the real value of the app is the ability to take photos of the yeah. items. So why is that? Like military families are not known for collecting designer furniture but what they're known for is moving every two years therefore their furniture in polite terms is highly distressed yeah therefore you can blindly assume that every single piece of furniture is already damaged so if you don't take photos you as a mover expose yourself to a damage claim you just guarantee that it's coming. I mean, you're not guaranteed, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's a very high probability that it's coming because it's, it's too easy. It's, it's yeah. already destroyed. It was destroyed before it was packed. <laughs> what did the smart people figure out? Is that uh, with a smartphone, there's enough capacity to take a photo or two of every single piece of furniture. Not because they care about the furniture per se. They don't care about how it looks like, it's not going to be disassembled or assembled. They do it to prevent any kind of insurance claims. And so that's how it evolved. Because mm. from my experience, doing military moves, mm. we generally do take an inventory of items to be moved. Mm. But in straightforward domestic moves A to B done in a day, no, there's no inventory done. If you're going overseas, most definitely. The normal moving from London to Southampton, for example, very rarely is a full inventory ever done. If it's coming into store, most definitely. But very rarely is a full inventory. No, it's the same. In the US, it's the same. If it's local, if it never touches the store, no one's going to do inventory. Right. With exceptions. There are companies like JK moving in the US. Everything's inventory. Is that because then they could contract the delivery job? They might pick it up and... No? no, they don't want any liability. They don't want any trouble. They figure that it's cheaper for them to do the inventory because it takes no time than be exposed to any kind of liability claim. 
Interesting. Yeah. It, it depends. It depends on what... Well, that's that's the thing, right? That there's this notion that you need to be able to afford digital inventory. I mean, if you're not writing any inventory, then don't bother. But if you're doing it on a piece of paper, then may as well do it electronically and save yourself lots of aggravation and potential liability claims. So what challenges have you had to overcome working in the removal industry as a supplier? Like any mainstream industry, so we think that moving is special, but like I've dealt with tech for banking industry. It's as backwards. So anyways, there's this inertia in the minds of the decision makers that their staff is too stupid to learn new tech. So I remember that 20 years ago, the first convention, every single manager or the company owner who would come to talk to us at the booth would come and say, yeah, yeah, that's cool stuff. We're talking about Palm Pilot-based solutions here. Oh, my word. That's going back a bit. Yeah. But the general comment was, yeah, that's cute. That's cute. But my staff is too dumb to use it. Like, I can learn, which was a, a lie, of course. No, they couldn't have learned but because uh, they're too old for it. But my staff, they're too dumb. They're too dumb. And then they, they kept on repeating the same mantra like parrots. And, and we kept on saying that, look, people are growing up in front of PCs and smartphones. Like, they don't know how to handwrite. So the statement of they'll never learn and they'll never change is incorrect till they felt the pain of being able to attract any kind of quality people to the moving industry and then dealing with their inability to do anything which is not electronic. So it's not that we had to deal with it. We had to refrain from cracking jokes and trying to get on this gold digital crusade. Apple and Google took care of it for us. <laughs> but that was probably the biggest challenge that the owners and the upper management, just because of their lack of technological savviness, trust yeah. their own staff to just go and learn the app. Because at the end of the day, using the old Palm Pilot, that was just that was like an problem. iPhone with a little stencil, wasn't it? So you could still press buttons, but you could actually write on the screen it as was, if you were writing on paper. It was brilliant. What oh, yeah, fantastic had, device. The like, Unlike Apple Newton that completely blew up and, yeah. and the Microsoft products, they blew up because they took on too much. They took on being able to do handwriting recognition freeform style. So you scribble how you scribble and will recognize yeah. your handwriting. The tech was not there. Yeah, you didn't have the computing power to do it. Whereas the Palm Pilot people figured, figured out that now we'll teach people how to write so we can recognize what they write. So they came up with this idea of graffiti. Hmm. You had to learn how to handwrite each and every letter. For Absolutely, I remember to recognize that. It. Therefore, the first app it was installed was called Giraffe. And Giraffe yeah. was there to teach them how to uh, write quickly. Right? It was like a, like a game. It was like, yeah. a, like a shooting game, but you'd shoot by writing quickly. So that, that, that thing was genius. But by and large, the interface of the apps hasn't changed. Oh, it had changed. 
but the approach and the simplicity of the screens and the idea that it should take very minimum data entry to enter what you need to enter is still there. But Palm Pilot as a device was a bit over the top, especially when you'd uh, lose all the data if you didn't replace the battery sometime or if you didn't <laughs> <laughs> some time. That thing wasn't ready for any kind of mass consumption or a platform for any kind of business apps. But once I'd say that starting from iPhone 3, that's when mobile devices became ready for mass usage. And then once yeah. the messengers came out, all those WhatsApps and then all those Instagrams and all that, and people just completely migrated over to uh, that platform to live their lives, all those Facebooks. Then, then you realize that like everybody's typing. So does it matter to them where they type? They can do this on our app too. Like they need to do less of this on our app than, than, than WhatsApp. <laughs> it's just so the owners were getting in the way of that progress, but things have changed. Oh, they definitely changed, all right. Yeah. So if you could change anything from your past as being a supplier to the removal industry, mm. what would it be? Is there anything that you would do differently? So just because of our past, oh, my past in high tech, we took a top-down approach. So build like a massive system that does everything and then some, and then be amazed that very few people in the industry are able to, well, first of all, pay for it, second of all, roll it out properly, right? We should have taken a more bottom-up approach. So looking back, <laughs> the portal should have been our first product. Yeah. And, and the full-blown move management cloud system should have been the last one. Yeah. But for the removals part of our business, that would have been a better approach, of course. For the fine arts, we did the right thing, so I wouldn't have changed anything. Maybe, maybe we should have looked at building it web-based uh, from the get-go, but back in 2008, I don't know if we would have been able to come up with a nice web-based system that does what the fine arts management system does. Right? Right. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's way too deep. Cloud wasn't there the way it is now. We didn't have the team to do it back then. We didn't have the corporate knowledge to do it properly with the right scale, the right QA, the right development processes. So now we're there. So like we're paying our technical uh, dues by uh, rebuilding the um, fine art system to be completely browser-based. It's already cloud-based, of course, and all that. But uh, so we're doing it now. So that I wouldn't have changed. But the removals, yeah. So once we build the app, so we build the app, so that was the right yeah. thing to do. But then yeah. we should have uh, come up with a simple portal first. I know exactly where you're coming from right now. Trust me. <laughs> yes. So, what is your high point of being in the industry? So, there was this webinar organized by IAM. And IAM was trying to show to the industry that digital inventory is accessible. It's here. So they organized an industry-wide webinar. 
we didn't know who's going to come. So we were sponsors. Yeah. But it didn't mean that they would pick uh, our clients to come. And if the clients came, we had no idea what they would say. It's total democracy. Whatever happens, happens. And then one of our clients does join the webinars. And the guy who came to the webinar, he was responsible for overseeing the digital inventory rollout within the patient group. And he came and he explained very personally what it took them to roll out the system. And he said, yeah, I understand you guys talking to the webinar attendees think that it's hard and the crews will not learn because all dogs don't learn new tricks, but they will. And what I can tell you is that right now, if we took away the uh, tablets from the crews, they would revolt. There, that's the high point. And we're talking about craftsmen because they have branches outside of the U.S. And their packers and the crews are very, very professional. They're craftsmen in the best sense of the word, right? It's their craft. It's very true, though. To be a craftsman, you need the best tools. Tools you can trust. (laughs) Absolutely. So what one thing would you change within the moving industry? Having dealt with it as a supplier for 22 years, you must have seen something that you would just go, no, that needs to change. What would it be? Movers think that if they need to change something, for example, go from paper to digital, then they need to change every single process and therefore create a complete havoc and revolution and (laughs) disturb their processes. And I understand why. Because to them, it's such a pain that they figure that if they are to go through a pain, then they'll do it once. But if they look at the amount of pain and just imagine the pain shock, then they back off. Because the very thought of going through it basically discourages them from any kind of change. So just getting movers to accept the simple idea that you can change gradually too. Just to start simple, get into the digital world however you can, take the first step. And then things will take you to the next level naturally. Then the limit normally is your organizational power. It's not the technology. The technology is there. The hardware is there. It's your ability to control and organize efficient processes. But that depends on your management skill, on your management infrastructure, on the skill set of your employees. It's not the tech anymore. The tech is there. Thank God to Apple, Google, and Amazon. They took care of your IT education. Just take the first step, however small it is. Yeah, because it can be information and change overload, can't it? You can just be hit with too much too soon. It's much better to take the baby steps, get into it, get into a routine of, oh, I now know how to do this. Now I need to know the next step. Otherwise, you end up taking big steps, getting all upset, getting upset with it, and don't want to go any further. 
and you don't really want any negativity. You want to keep it small, keep the positivity going. I understand going. why they're trying to do everything at once, because as a normal, pragmatic, non-technological customer, you're thinking, yeah, look, I'm definitely. going to go for the pain once. It doesn't work like that. In the inventory world, for example, it's hilarious how, how often we hear statements like, if I'm getting into digital inventory, I need to do form filling. Do the inventory first. Don't worry about form filling. It'll come. But baby steps. Baby steps. My staff doesn't know English. Yeah. Well, they can learn one word, HHG, and just take photos. That's good enough, by the way. Just accept the fact that there are simple ways to get started. But that, that's all right. That's human nature. Every single mainstream industry, like non-tech industry, goes through the same pain and the same pushbacks and the same cycles and so So what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again? This is more about you now rather than the products and the company. What about you? The industry, I don't think, apart from like coming up with simple solutions first, I wouldn't have changed anything as far as the product yeah. or product development is concerned, but me as a person who has never run a business, I should have learned earlier in life to delegate and trust other people. We should have started hiring earlier. I guess I should have started hiring earlier and trusting other people to kind of take care of the things that I'm unable to do just because we all have weaknesses. So there are things we're good at, there are things that we're bad at. If you keep doing something that you truly hate or can't do a good job of, and you keep doing it, that's a sign of either stupidity or insanity. Right? So, <laughs> or both. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I should have learned that a bit earlier. So where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years? Quite frankly, I think that within five years will be the, uh, I hope, the uh, standard digital inventory infrastructure for the industry. Yeah. And I'm talking about any type of mover because we cover all parts of the industry. And when I say platform, I mean it in a good way. So those who want a simple inventory PDF, they can get it. Those who want a full-blown inventory control without ever seeing our backend system, that's what the APIs are for. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, we learn to control our ego. So the fact that we've built a move management system doesn't mean anything. If it turns out that the best part of it is the mobile apps, then any system in the industry can use the mobile apps through APIs and never see our move management system and never be scared of the potential of clients switching to our move management system. When we say that we don't want these clients in the first place, we mean it. If these clients are happy with another move management system, we'll let them enjoy it. Yeah, It's fine. We're not power of fanatics here. We have no investors. We don't need to report to somebody that now we have more 
management clients. But if the industry enjoys our mobile apps, then we'll make absolutely sure they're accessible through any platform they wish to access it. They want to access it from their own systems. It's fine. So where do you see the industry in the next five years, the moving industry? It's funny. I think it's going to two extremes. The movers, the traditional movers, people with their own warehouses, trucks, crews that actually know how to pack, show up every day, they will enjoy themselves because they're the platform. They're the enablers. And the demand for them is only going to be stronger. So that's one extreme. And the other extreme is the bookers, brokers, move managers. So the industry is becoming very, very specialized. So either you're the enabler, you're like the blue collar moor, or you're the move manager. The move manager that doesn't own a truck, doesn't own a pack of material, doesn't own a warehouse, but makes more money than the removal company. Interdean showed the way. So therefore, there'll be more and more small contractors. Like there's already lots of them, but the industry is going to rely kind of like Uber style or Lyft style, unfortunately. If like there are, again, there are specialized movers, specialized subcontractors who know what they're doing, they'll continue to be fully booked. But more and more work will be delegated to individual contractors. Interesting. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? Meditate. Work out. Do you switch off? When I switch off, I switch off. It means that the airplane mode. If I don't work, the phone is off completely. Unreachable. Not to the industry, not to the family, because the family is with me. Yeah. If the kids want something, they know they'll call my wife and she'll come find me. Now, I learned to do that so because the line was getting blurry up until five years ago and it wasn't going in the right direction. <laughs> you know, when you're young, you think you're invincible. Then uh, basically, if you go to the gym, you lift the same weight and you think that you're still invincible, then you're fooling yourself. <laughs> There's plenty of truth in that one. Not that I go to the gym, I can tell you. Uh, you can try. The amount of pain you'll feel uh, will clear your mind very quickly from any moving matters. Trust me, I don't want to go to any gym. Gyms bore me to tears. I'd rather be on a tennis court. Unfortunately, I hurt myself enough playing sports to be constrained to just working out and running. <laughs> Bike, walk, swim. Any movement is good. Any sitting on a chair is bad. No, I used to play uh, hockey, competitive. Growing up, that's what normal hockey or ice hockey. Ice hockey, of course. I don't know what you call normal hockey. Ice <laughs> hockey, proper. <laughs> no, if you are, are you talking about field hockey, like when you run around with this curved stick. Yeah, that's that's what we class as hockey. None of this icicle stuff. No, that lasted for for about five minutes. Uh, like we did it as our like off ice training in the summer, and then the coaches had to step in and take away the sticks because we figured that there's no point in chasing the ball when we can hook each other. Exactly. That was much more fun. 
And finally, I like to end my podcasts with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? Yeah, just one. When uh, we got into this fine arts logistics industry, and it's quite an industry, around probably 2008, I set foot in a fine arts warehouse. And I saw some interesting modern art. And I was reading about modern art uh, made of bio-waste. So I asked the owner of the warehouse, I said, so how do you move statues made of crap? And he goes, with great difficulty. <laughs> you know what kind of statues and, uh, and art uh, installations I'm referring to. Explain in more detail, Max. <laughs> Traditionally, you make uh, statues out of, or any kind of installations, figurines, sculptures, you make them out of wood, bronze, yep. any kind of hard material. But then modern art tends to think that everything is artistic. Therefore, why don't we uh, make artifacts from human bio-waste? See, to, to me, that's not art. It's just not art. Look, if it sells, and if somebody <laughs> puts a price tag on it, and it goes up for sale on an art auction, and it gets sold and then gets transported, all that qualifies as art. The can of soup is not an art, unless somebody declares that it is so, and convinces enough people to pay for it. <laughs> so Andy Warhol didn't bother with the bio waste. Others decided to take it to that extreme. No, it's just, it's just wrong. All right. Well, what became very, very wrong is the fact that if somebody pays 50 mil for this kind of artwork, how does one preserve the investment because what if it degrades so it turned out that it's not enough to produce this kind of art it's very hard to conserve it it's even harder to transport <laughs> max thank you very much for giving up your time today to record an episode of moving matters with me i truly appreciate it and i enjoyed it immensely and thanks for having me you're very welcome thank you I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 51 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Max Cranian of VoxMe Software for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Max. If you would like to know more about VoxMe Software and the services they provide, then you'll find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Long-time listeners of the podcast will know I'm a huge advocate of the BAR Young Movers Group, who are holding their 2022 conference from October the 13th to 15th in Cambridge, and registration is open now. So if you are a young mover and would like to get involved with this awesome group of young, like-minded talent, or register as a conference attendee, then head on over to their website for further information, www.bar.co.uk forward slash BAR dash young dash movers. 
And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving. Thank you.